Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to open them with me to the book of John chapter 6. It's good to be here and be with you and uh, I love this church, don't you? We're blessed. Aren't we blessed at every campus? We're blessed. And I dressed up because I just missed you so much last Sunday. Is this in the middle? I guess it, am I standing in the right place? I feel just a little something doesn't feel quite right, but I guess I am. Amen. I look all right. Everything good? Turn to your neighbor and say, let me check you out. You look pretty good. Tell them that. John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Uh, this whole chapter has to do with food. From beginning to end, it's talking about food. It is where Jesus fed the 5,000, multiplied the fish and the loaves. Then the disciples get in a boat, they go across. What's funny is the same people that got fed on one side of the lake, when they hear Jesus is going across, <laughs> you know what they do? We're going to get some more free food. They took off and ended up on the other side of the lake and were waiting on more food. That's where we're going to pick the story up. And um, he says in verse 26, when he sees them, it says in verse 22, on the following day when the people were standing on the other side of the sea, let's go to verse 26, Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for food which perishes, but for the food which endures everlasting life, the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Then I just want to highlight some of the, um, the emphasis of how many times he just talks about the bread and food that he wants to give them. Verse 33, the bread of God... Is, is he who comes down from heaven, he say, and then he says in verse 34, they said, Lord, give us this bread. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Verse 35, he who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. And then uh, verse 51, I'm the living bread. Come down from heaven. I won't read it all, but I want you to see this. If anyone eats this bread, he'll live forever. This bread that I give is my flesh. I give my flesh as the bread. Then just highlight a couple things. Verse 55 or verse 54, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. I will raise him up the last day. For my flesh is food indeed and my blood is drink indeed. And he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. And this really freaked them out. This really blew their minds. They could not comprehend what he was talking about. So much so that there's an amazing verse, and it's amazing where it's located in John 6 and verse 66. So that's 666. And it says, from that time, after he taught them on eating everything he offered them, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. And Jesus turned to his disciples and said, will you also go away? And Simon Peter answered and said, Lord, whom shall, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So I want to talk to you today on the right 
diet. The right diet. The right diet. These people kept coming to Jesus and they only wanted one thing from his table. They wanted his miracles. They wanted that multiplication. I really like your bread. I don't care for what you got in that bowl and that bowl and that bowl. I'm not interested in discipleship. I'm not interested in lordship. I'm not interested in, in altering my life in any way. All I want from you is what I like. That's all I want from you is what you can give me. Don't ask me for anything. Don't expect anything from me. You offer me something that I want. And I need your comfort. I need you to be my picker up. I need you to be my comfort. I need you to help me when I'm in trouble. I need you to deliver me. I need you to do for me what I want you to do for me. That's all I'm interested in from your table. And that's a dangerous way to come to church. That's a dangerous way to serve the Lord. That it's all one-sided what God can do for you. I only eat the part of the gospel I like. And the parts that intrude on me and my selfishness and my life, I don't care for them. I, I just eat what I like. So up in Canada and Alaska, but mostly in Canada, there is a wildcat known as the lynx. It's the Canadian lynx, and it, it's about the size of what we have here in Georgia, bobcats. It's a small cat, medium-sized cat, and its primary diet is something called snowshoe rabbits. Um, that Yukon area up in, up in Canada is full of these snowshoe rabbits, and this lynx loves, he's specially adapted to snow, his his paws, his, his, all that he is, is has really adapted to snow and cold weather. And almost 90% of everything that the lynx eats is snowshoe rabbits. It's rabbit in the morning, rabbit in the noontime, rabbit when the sun goes down. And they love them. You can imagine. That's a lot of rabbits. Matter of fact, there's so many rabbits up there that they said that there's about 50 snowshoe rabbits per acre. With one exception, about once every nine to ten years, there's something that's called sunspots that happens in the atmosphere. And when a sunspot happens, they, the scientists can't explain this. You can look it up when you get a chance. If you, but these, these sunspots are like black, black spots in certain areas of the forest. And when a sunspot happens in that particular year, the population of the snowshoe rabbits drops tremendously, collapses from 50 rabbits an acre to two rabbits an acre. Consequently, when the snowshoe rabbits population collapses, then the lynx population equally collapses because they're not diversified in what they eat. They only eat one thing. They only want one thing. And since 90% of their meal comes from that rabbit, when that rabbit diminishes and is gone, then guess what? The lynx is gone, and they stay on the extinct list simply because of that. If they had more of a varied diet, were more adaptable, ate a more balanced meal, there's other 
things they could eat, but they really want that and that only. And when there's a shortage of that, you don't see them anymore. I'm about to preach. I promise I'm going somewhere. <laughs> they exclusively dine, dine on rabbits, and when rabbits die, they die. It's interesting that the Native American Indians, many of us probably think that tragically it was the United States Cavalry, United States Army, when we invaded this North American area that we live in called America and took it from the Native American Indians. Many people believe that it was our cavalry or our, our soldiers who killed the mass majority of the Indians, and that is not true. Actually, more Indians died of, uh, of starvation, and here's why. It wasn't the U.S. Cavalry, even though there were wars and they certainly killed some, but there were, there were more Indians who died because of buffalo hunters. Because those Indian tribes were so connected by their culture, generation after generation, to just following the herds of millions, and I'm not exaggerating, millions and millions of buffalo roamed in the Great Plains. And great Indian tribes like the, the Paul and the, uh, and the Sioux Indian tribe, they, they, the Great Plains Indians, they, they would just follow those herds. And with bow and arrow, when they got hungry, they would shoot one of those big buffalo and skin it, make a teepee, the, use the heavy fur of that animal for clothing. It was very brutal winters. And without it, they would have froze to death. And of course, the meat, the bison, they would eat it and eat it, and it kept them alive. It was all 80% of the Indians' livelihoods concerning food and Essentials of life came from the buffalo. But in 18, around 1870, there was the invention of the sharp rifle. It was a rifle that could be shot from a long distance up to three to 400 yards away. Therefore, the hunters could hide, shoot their gun, and it was so far away that it didn't alert the herds, it didn't spook the herds, they would all stay together. And here's how they hunted. I thought this was interesting. They waited for stragglers. They only picked off stragglers. I thought, I'm going to preach that. You know, when, when distance between you and the church and distance between you and Christ and distance between you and an intimate relationship with Jesus begins to happen in your life, there is a crosshair that comes on you. It's a matter of time before the enemy targets you. And listen to this. So I, I, I didn't know this, but the, they said that those hunters would sit and in one day shoot 500, 700, up to 1,000 buffalo just picking off. And, the, you know, and those, those buffalo would just be eating and be standing in herds together. And they'd notice maybe out there something dropped and there's one dropping over there and there's one dropping off there and they'd hear that little noise and but it never spooked them. Consequently, when the buffalo herd was decimated by hunters, because the Indians were placed on reservations and they were, they were not farmers, 
They did not know how to adapt. They did not know. They starved to death. They froze to death. They, they died on those reservations because the main thing on their diet was buffalo. And when that was taken out of their life, they starved to death. Had they had a more varied diet, had they ate more than one thing, they would have survived. I thought about us. Uh, I doubt anybody much, maybe a few, because we are in Georgia. But I, I doubt anybody had chickens in the backyard this morning. I, I, I don't think any of you went out and got the eggs out of the hen house and milked the cow before you came to church so you'd have some milk in your cereal. I, I doubt that. Most of us don't have gardens. We have Kroger's. We have Whole Foods. We live off of places like Zaxby's and um, Long Street. If Long Street burns down, I'm going to starve to death. That's just how it goes. Somebody said, if your wife died, Pastor Franklin, what, I would lose weight. What do you mean? Well, she doesn't cook. I would gain weight. Let me fix that. I would gain weight. She doesn't cook. Longstreet cooks for me a lot. She's not here. I can say whatever I want to. The reason I say so thin, let's keep moving. Let's think about, you know, Kroger's. What if something happened? Where do we get our food? Almost everybody in here. We don't go out. We don't go out. I mean, the, the neighborhood, uh, what do you call those things? The neighborhood committee would get together. If you, had, if you had cows and pigs in your backyard, they would have you a letter on your front door. They're picky about everything. They, you know they wouldn't let you have animals in your backyard. When I was growing up, my mother... Uh, her grand, my granddaddy, J.W. Stone, lived on a farm. And he, it was this country, the country people. Country people eat. They, you know when the Great Depression happened? You know who starved to death? The city people. The people who get their groceries. But the country people, they can eat anything. They'll shoot a squirrel. You ever, have you ever seen a squirrel that's skinned? It looks just like a rat. You might as well be eating a rat. It looks just like a rat. It's no difference. They eat possum. They'll eat, uh, you know, uh, what else? Squirrel. And... You, you know, the one that gets me is those Louisiana Cajun people. We got some of them in this church. Those people, they're never going to starve to death. They eat something called crawfish. They have a crawfish bowl. Have you ever heard of that? A crawfish? They just take everything, anything in the house, in the refrigerator, put it in a hot tub and throw these things that have whiskers. They have little bugs. They, basically, a crawfish is the cockroach of the swamp. And they take, they take them and they throw. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. There's a guy in the church named Chad. Um, Chad. And, and Chad's from the Cajun. He's a Louisiana boy. And he'll have these crawfish bowls like at Super Bowl and stuff. And he invites us over and we always go over with some of the people in the church. And I eat pizza before I go because I, I, I mean, have you seen, have you seen that stuff? Have you seen, they, they put them in with their head and everything. It's got a mustache. It's got two big eyes. 
And then he said something like, tear the tail off and push it. And, and a little piece of meat comes out that, and he, and he says, suck it out. And that's what they say. And, and, and it's like a little popcorn shrimp supposed to be. And I look down, I see this mustard looking stuff in there too. I'm not going to eat that. I'll starve to death. I'm not going to eat that. We don't grow our food. We don't raise our food. We don't process our food. We get a cart. And while elevator music is playing, we sachet food and grab a loaf of bread and a dozen eggs. And we go home and do you know, I really believe that if something were to happen, if our system were to crash, they say that the average person only has enough food in their house for two to maximum three weeks. You think about that. If, you, if, if your main source, I'd say 95% of your food source is the grocery store. And if somehow the truck system and the technology got shut down and the shelves were empty and something happened, some kind of terrorist thing or something, you'd basically have three weeks before I started coming to your house. <laughs> I got a neighbor that's got all that stuff. He stored up. He doesn't know when, when trouble comes, I'm coming to his house. I ain't got nothing. Moldy bread. That's about it. Listen, listen. I got a point, I promise. If you're depending on one source and one thing in your diet, you're vulnerable. When you have a limited diet, it makes you vulnerable. Jesus said to these people, you come to me for one reason, when you need a miracle from me. The only time I see you seeking me, the only time I see you, I'm glad you were laughing because I'm fixing to take that smile right off your face. <laughs> the only time I see you coming to me is you have one thing in mind, miracles. Miracles. I need your help. What you can do for me. But Jesus said, you don't understand that I am the bread of life. You're seeking me for the miracles, but not for the loaves, and, and for the loaves. You need to seek heavenly bread, Jesus said. I'm the bread of life. Except you eat my flesh and you drink my blood, you have no part with me. It wasn't the right diet that they were asking of him. I only want what I like from you. And one of them, and all of them, the Bible said, all of them, the multitudes, when, when Jesus said, you got to eat my whole diet, not just a part of the gospel, not just salvation, forgiveness of sin, and then live like you want to live, but you've got to eat it all. You've got to eat discipleship. You've got to eat consecration, sanctification, dedication. I believe I see a bowl of fasting and prayer on that table. I believe I see a bowl. I want prosperity. I want the blessing on me and my children. But you got to eat all that's on that table. I think tithing's on that table. 
I think generosity is on that table. I think blessing the poor is on that table. It's not about God just giving you a blessing and blessing you, but there is a big, wide table that the Father says, you have to eat all my meal, Jesus said. You have to eat all of me. We just want one diet. But we need a full diet. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 says all scripture is given. Everybody say all. all. Not the one you like, not the ones you enjoy, not the ones you like to hear. Some people come to church and they only want to hear a motivational sermon. They only want to hear a pick-me-up sermon. They only want to hear a make-me-feel-good sermon. But all scripture, that means the scriptures on hell are important. That means the scriptures on judgment are important. And you can't just eat salvation and the cross and then go back to your life living any way you want to live. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instructions in righteousness. And you can't just eat one diet. If you do, you're vulnerable and the enemy is going to put a target on you and he's going to take you out because you're not well balanced. If you don't eat it all, you'll starve to death. I'll cons- I've got to consume all the word, not just salvation, but sanctification. Not just blessing and prosperity, but giving and generosity, sowing and reaping. Not just blessing and fun times and a blessed life. But what about brokenness? What about suffering? What about trials? What about hardships? That's part of this meal too. It's not just heaven, it's hell too. It's not just grace, but grace and truth. You can't just have grace and ignore truth. It is freedom, but it's also responsibility. Don't pick and choose at God's table. Eat whatever he puts before you. When I think about it, we have to take it all or we'll starve to death. It's not just love, 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 but on the table of the Lord, there's judgment. On the table of the Lord, there's forgiveness. And if you want God to forgive you and give you a bowl of forgiveness, you got to turn around to that person who's really done you wrong and forgive them and quit talking about them and quit being ill at them and hating them and cussing them and all that stuff because it doesn't work. The gospel doesn't work if it's all about you just taking a part of the gospel and a part of the diet you like and ignoring all the other stuff. Some of you right now, you love that part about the marriage bed is undefiled and you got married and you were all excited, but now months and years later, you can't stand each other. This is what the Bible said in Ephesians 6. You got to eat this too. Husbands, love your wives. Straighten up. Stop it. Quit acting like a baby. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Serve, how did he give himself for it? He served the church. He lived for the church. He preferred the church above his own. And he says, if you love me, you can't just take the blessings I give you and then turn around and abuse everything you want to abuse. I'm telling you to love your wife and wives, submit to your husbands. Now the word is respect and honor your husbands. 
Children, obey your parents. You can't pick and choose. God's going to bless me. He won't bless you if you don't obey your parents, if you don't honor your parents. You can't just have the thou shouts in the Bible. You have to take the thou shalt nots. You have to take the six out of ten of the ten commandments is thou shalt not. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Oh, but I got a bowl of grace. You don't have grace to commit adultery and steal and lie. God doesn't do that. We're messed up. We think we can just eat the part of the gospel we like. Come to church when we feel like it, honor God when we feel like it, do our own thing, and as long as I got my little bowl of salvation, I got what I like, and I ignore all the other stuff on the table. What about discipleship? What about serving? What about being a blessing? If all you eat is one message, I got news for you, you're not going to survive. I still believe holiness is on the table. There are some demands the Bible makes on us, not us. People pick a church, and the first thing, I like this, I like that, this, give me this, the child care, check, this, that, check, check. And I get it, I get it. We offer all of that. But at some point, it's not just about you coming for the fish and the loaves. At some point, Jesus was saying to them, I want you to be consumed with Jesus. I want you to be full of me. I want you to be so full of me that you get beyond selfishness and you begin to serve other people and love other people and bless other people. And the mission of your life focuses off of you and on to other people. The devil attacked Job because he thought Job only was on a specific diet. Job said to God, he's really prosperous. And the only reason he's serving you is because you bless him so much financially with prosperity. You let me take his wealth and he'll curse you. And God said, go for it. I'm going to show you that boy's not on a one-dish diet with me. And in one day, he lost his business, he lost his flocks, he lost his house. It collapsed and fell on, on his children. He lost all of his wealth in one day. And Satan is standing there laughing. Hell is having a square dance. And the devil says, watch this. God, tune in. He's about to curse you. I see him opening his mouth. And Job gets up from the ashes, opens his mouth, and says, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. I'm not eating a one dish meal I didn't serve him for what he can bless me with and what he can give me that's a side benefit I still have the Lord I still have the gym I still have Jesus blessed be the name of the Lord notice Satan said I know what it is skin for skin you let me afflict his body you let him go through hard times. He only eats from that dish of blessing and fun and healing and miracles. But you let him not get the miracle. You let him go through suffering and sickness and he'll turn around and he'll curse you to your face. And God said, go for it. You can do anything you want to do to him except kill him. 
And he was afflicted with boils from the top of his head to the soles of his feet, sick as he could be. His own wife said, curse God and die. His friend said, this is the judgment of God on your life. I'm going to tell you something. If you just eat from that little shallow bowl, that's why some people fall out when, they're, when, they're, when they're, something tragic happens in their family. A brother dies of cancer. Why didn't God heal my child? Why didn't God do this? Why didn't God do that? But you, 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 can't, you can't just eat the blessings of God and then when life hits fall out of church and get mad at God and say, that, that, that's, that's your issue because you're surviving on one dish. But when you understand that a real child of God wants everything at the table, if God's allowing this to come into my life, it's going to do a work in my life. I may not like it, it but it's good for me. It's kind of like... Um, you know, it's kind of like broccoli. You may not like it, but I need it. It's going to make me stronger. It's going to build me up. So, Lord, I trust you even when I don't understand what you're serving me. But I'm not going to get bitter against you. I'm not going to get angry against you. I'm not going to fall out of church because my business went bankrupt or my wife left me or my, my marriage broke down or my children are on drugs. Or You have to learn that whatever you're going through at his table, he's got all you need to get you through. Can I go one more? On that keyboard he's playing over there, basically there's seven keys on a piano. And then it just does octaves. There's only seven keys, and they could be minor or major, or sharp or flat, but it's A, B, C, D, E, F, G. That's the only keys on the piano. There's no more. And there are seven keys of worship found in the Old Testament, seven words used to describe different ways to worship God. We need to learn that you can't come to church and just do the same thing all the time and expect to get the fullness of God's table. Some of you never get beyond your little dish of worship. And there are seven dishes. Sometimes you're supposed to clap your hands. And most of you, even, even you Presbyterians, you feel comfortable clapping your hands. But the same... Bible says you are to lift up holy hands. So sometimes when the conductor calls for the key of B and you're in the key of A, you're not going to get in this key what God would have done for you in that key. Sometimes he said dance and sometimes he said rejoice and sometimes he said shout. Well, that's just not me. You sit on a thumbtack, you'll shout. It's all about motivation. But it's not, you got to understand, it's not you just eating from one dish of worship. But you have to get beyond yourself. You're not worshiping a church or music. You're worshiping Jesus and you got to give him everything you've got. And sometimes he just wants us to be quiet. And sometimes he wants us to shout. And sometimes he wants you to lift your hands in praise and say, God, I give you the glory. Sometimes he wants you to whisper. Sometimes he wants you to sing. Sometimes he wants you to shout. But if you're one of these people who you got how you do it, I'm just going to do what I do. You're forfeiting so much at the table. So I've just stopped by today to tell you that if you don't eat it all, you're going to starve to death.
And we've got to come into church realizing that church is more about, it's not just about us getting a blessing. But God's ultimate desire is that when we eat his flesh and drink his blood from this book, he begins to live through us. He is incarnated again, God in skin, the hope of glory, Christ in you, the hope of glory. We have this treasure in earthen vessels and it's not about us walking around and blessing ourselves. But it's being used by God. Available. Broken, humbled, been through the fire, been through the trials, been through the... I don't serve Him for what kind of car I drive or what kind my relationship with him is so much bigger than all of that I don't serve him for what he can do for me but I have found that if I if I seek first the kingdom he just adds all that stuff but I gotta keep eating all that's in this book that holiness matters and sanctification matters some of you have salvation, but there's the baptism in the Holy Spirit at the table. Have you asked for it? Have you sought it? I just like this. I'm real comfortable with this. This is what I really like. I don't know about that stuff. You're vulnerable when you only have one diet. You are a lynx eating snow rabbits. You are an Indian depending only on buffalo. You are depending on Longstreet and Kroger's instead of understanding he is Jehovah Jireh. He provides it all. And if you get him, you get everything. Stand to your feet all over this room. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Can we lift up our hands and for 20 seconds, can we give God a power praise? Now the conductor is calling for a key of F song right here. And I don't want you over there in B. I don't want you especially in B flat. I want you in F right now. And F is lift up holy hands, open up your mouth and shout a power praise unto your God at every campus. At every campus, the pastors are coming. At every campus, lift up your voice and say, God, I want all that you have for me. God, I don't serve you for what I can get out of you, the loaves, but I serve you because I love you. You've given your life for me, your blood, your body, and I want to consume all that you have for me. Then I want you to consume me. Hallelujah. That's why we ought to praise Him when we're in the trials and praise Him when we're in the down times. Maybe you had the hardest week you've had all year. You ought to be the one that's got your hands raised like Job, saying the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.